All right, back up. I got more to say. <laughs> if you will go to the, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, Mark uh, chapter nine, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Kids, you're dismissed to go to children's church, and uh, yeah, Miss Cinzia's back there, and uh, she's gonna uh, have you helping. There she goes. Okay. Well, um, some, I see some of y'all are still here, and we uh, survived our uh, conference yesterday, our mini-conference Friday night and um, Saturday on Disciples Making Disciples. Let me tell you, my friend, uh, I'm going to tell you his real name. His real name is Woody Wood. He goes by his middle name, Lee, because there was a time that he was in corporate America doing incredibly well, but if you go to introduce yourself to somebody, hey, I'm Woody Wood. Uh, it didn't go well. So he goes by Lee, but he, he is really Woody, and uh, uh, Woody and his team came here, and uh, they taught us really basic disciple, j- just what we're supposed to be doing, and they also do this in the context of house churches, and remember our theme for the year is prepare. If things just totally go crazy, we need to be prepared to worship in our homes and to b- make disciples around us and bring them there. You know, we ought to be prepared for anything at all times, right? So that's what it was. And let me tell you, it was a great time. Um, went prayer walking yesterday. Now, every, that kind of means a lot to different people. What the purpose was is we were walking in different areas and praying and asking God to bring somebody across our path. Um, the term was the, they use is person of peace. And somebody would be, you know, they would uh, open up to us a little bit. So I take couple guys and we go at the ball fields over at Herald Avenue and we met a couple kids prayed with them and met another man talked to him a little bit and um, one of Lee's trainers a little girl named Becky she took a couple ladies and they went over by the basketball courts and we we they were still going and they were still we're going what in the world's going on so we start walking over there and Becky has I don't know eight ten kids preaching at them (laughs) And they saw me, and they started waving their junior high, uh, their JV football players from uh, um, from Port Charlotte High, and uh, they said he preaches to us all the time. I said, "Yeah, that's cool." I want to tell you, I, I want to thank um, Dennis. He provided great food for us, and all of you who came, I know that you were blessed, and uh, um, fits right in with what we want to do. We want to make disciples. That's what God's commanded us to do. So this morning, we're going to talk about some of his disciples. And uh, I'm sure glad that the Word of God records all that. I don't have my the outline. It must have fell down. Um, so you, if I miss something, let me know. Um, let's start Mark chapter 9, verse 30. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that that saying and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. 
And he sat down and he called the twelve and he saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set them in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not, I'm sorry, and whosoever shall uh, receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So what we have going on here, and now remember, we'll just kind of recap. Jesus has been up with uh, Peter and James and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. He, glor- he They showed him in glory. Okay, thank you, Rick. And uh, they showed him, uh, he showed out his glory, and, and the voice from the Father came, this is my son. And uh, these guys have just seen some great things. And incredible things. And then he came down and he dealt with his disciples who couldn't cast out a demon because, well, probably they had gotten a little bit full of themselves and, and, and they were depending on their own power and uh, they just couldn't do it. So Jesus kind of explains to them this comes out by prayer and fasting and you have little faith and come on, we got to strengthen that faith. And he takes care of the situation. And there, what is going on is they are preparing at this point. They're back in Capernaum. That's Jesus, kind of his hometown. And uh, they're getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And he's trying to teach them that in Jerusalem, some bad things are going to happen. Or at least in their eyes, it'll be bad things. That he's going to die. They're going to kill him. And, but he's going, to, he's going to rise again. And they, what are you talking about? But they're afraid to ask him. You, you, ever, you ever been in a situation where you're in class and you really don't understand what's going on? But you're not, you're just not going to ask a question because somebody will think I'm silly or stupid. Well, that's what the disciples were doing. They were just afraid to ask him because, well, maybe I'm supposed to know this. And maybe he'll tell me that my face is long. And, well, I'm going to wait and maybe I'll figure it out later. <laughs> they didn't. But while they were doing while they were on this, while they're on this trip, they're fussing with each other. They're fussing with each other. By the way, that's the beginning of the journey to the cross, if you want to fill in your blank. That's, the, that's that first part, that what we're intro here. And they're arguing. The disciples argue, and that's Mark 9.33. And it says, and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that, that you disputed amongst yourselves, by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Maybe this whole fussing and arguing and disputing was caused because, well, it wasn't fair. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and, and they got to see this big thing. So I can just see, can't you just see Peter? Hey, listen, I'm the one that walked on water. I'm the one, I just got to see God. You, remember back there in, in, in uh, um, Caesarea Philippi? I'm the one that said that, 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 that Jesus is the Messiah. And he, he told me that, that um, you know, that, that, that God showed him that. And, and uh, you know, he, he changed my name from, uh, to, to, uh, from Simon to, to Little Rocks or Peter. <laughs> Look at me. Well, James and John, hey, He's our cousin. <laughs> Don't you know? We're related. We're going to be the greatest. 
We didn't walk on water, but by the way, Peter, you didn't walk on water too long. You got scared and, and sunk. And hey, Peter, don't you remember that just right after that, 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 that right after you, you said that he was going to be Messiah, he said, get behind thee, Satan, because you didn't want him to, to, to do whatever that thing he's wanting to do. I don't understand that dying stuff, but, but you told him to, to, to not do that, and he told you to get behind me? Matthew. Hey, man, I'm a tax collector. I know how to get money. I'm a fundraiser. <laughs> They're all fussing and arguing who's going to be the greatest. Who is going to be the greatest? You know, we, we, that stuff doesn't stop. My cousin Franz here, she might, I don't know if she'll remember this story or not, but um, I have, I'm the youngest until my sisters came along of a bunch of cousins. Um, uh, we're all two years apart. I'm two years younger than her brother, John, and then we have another cousin, Mike, who's two years older than Fran. And uh, <laughs> we were all water skiers. And Mike, being the oldest, he was really good. By the way, Mike's an incredible athlete. He played uh, fullback at Florida State, and uh, um, he was all everything in, in, at Manatee High. You know, and so we kind of looked up to him a lot. Um, John got to the point where he can look down on him because he's taller, but I had to look up at both of them. Um, John was an incredible skier, um, both on a slalom and barefoot. But he had big, fat, flat feet, and it just was natural. I was the best boat driver. Um, <laughs> but we all skied, and we were always going to talk about who's going to be the greatest well, Mike made this statement that he'd hang up skiing when, if any of us got better than him. John got better. He hung it up. John's still the best skier, except that we're old and out of shape, and <clears throat> that won't work. And I'm still the best, the greatest of the boat drivers. If, you know, you get that sibling rivalry, who's the best, who's the favorite? My kids all think somebody else is the favorite. They don't know who the favorite is. We won't tell them. But the girls think it's Zach. And I don't know. I don't, Zach, he just, lives, he just relishes that, but he's not the favorite. You'll never know who the favorite is. <laughs> Who's going to be the greatest? It translates now into, into churches and to pastors. Who's going to be the greatest pastor? Who's going to have the biggest church? Who's going to have the best and the that and the other? Wow. None of that is of God. You know that? None of that's of God. In fact, what I want to really focus on this morning is if we really want to be great, if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we have to become servants. And that is just so opposite of what we, what our world teaches us and what our, 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 our it goes against our human nature. But if we're going to be great, we have to become a servant. So how do we become a great servant? How do we become a servant who God can lift up to be great? I thought about that and said, well, how am I going to do that? Because that's really against my nature. I want to be the greatest. Boat driver. God's kingdom, though, we have to become servants. So to become a servant that God could lift up, we have to adapt God's value system. 
Mark 9, 35. And he sat down and he called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last and servant of all. Well, where in God's word can we find out what God's value system is? What does he think that's important? What does he do? And I remembered that Jesus taught. And it's a famous sermon. He taught the Sermon on the Mount. And he taught back into those things called we call the Beatitudes. That's all theological stuff. He's teaching some stuff that we need to know what it means to be servants. What is God's value system? So in Matthew chapter 3, or chapter 5, I'm sorry, in verse 3, this is the first thing that's part of God's value system. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's the opposite of self-sufficiency. Is spiritual poverty. It includes uh, that deep humility of, of recognizing one's utter spiritual bankruptcy apart from God. I'm reading that. That's a quote from John MacArthur. It describes those who are acutely conscious that they are lost and hopeless apart from the divine grace. Yeah, a blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I don't think we should ever forget who we are, where we've come from. Now, let me tell you, I don't need to dwell in the fact of, uh, of all of my past mistakes and sins, and, and I don't need to dwell in all of that stuff and let it bug me and bother me and get me down. That's not what it's about, but I need to know where I came from. I was messed up. I was broken. We had to learn uh, how to give a, our story in what, three words, 15-second story? Before Jesus, I was a partier. I was a partier. And I was looking for significance. I wanted to be the greatest at everything. I met Jesus. Man, I'm forgiven now. I'm forgiven. And I have an opportunity to be very, very significant. You see, we're something before we meet Jesus, and then we meet Jesus, and something else happens. He changes that. And look, I don't have to, I can tell you all sorts of terrible things I've done. Some of you, I've already said it before, you, some of y'all have heard it. But I'll never tell you all the terrible things I think. And that's the ones that bother me the most. And by the way, sometimes I think some pretty bad things. I mean, I look out here and I think things are not always I should think. Some of y'all are entertaining. We need to have a poor spirit, a broken spirit, realizing who we are, who we are, where we were and what Jesus has done for us. Because you see, that will motivate us. That, that love of Christ comes down and it will constrain us. It, it, we, we, we start operating in a different economy. We start understanding that what God values is not me being puffed up and talking about who the greatest. We've got the Super Bowl coming next week. 
Don't you know there's going to be some big dances and partying and they're going, to, they're going to do what they're supposed to do, then they're going to act all crazy like they've done something great? And when they've done something great, they're going to act even extra crazy. Uh, how many of y'all follow me on Facebook? <laughs> there are people who are laughing back there because I posted a picture of our, our missionary. We have a missionary coming next week, Damian Pickett. Damien is, uh, has been in England. He started a church and turned it over to a national, and then he took a church that was in, in uh, difficulty, worked through that church, and now has turned it over to the national. He's home on furlough and going to be going uh, back, and uh, uh, he's a great missionary. And I had a picture of him. Um, we were in front of uh, Old Trafford Stadium in Manchester, England, and we were handing out gospel tracks and bracelets and little hacky sacks in the color of uh, the wordless book and giving the gospel to people before an Olympic event, uh, the U.S women's soccer team playing the North Koreans and we handed out over a thousand pieces of literature and we got to witness to people his wife witnessed to women in full burkas and and I got to witness to some Chinese guys and and it was amazing our we had a bunch of young people and they were God really blessed that but what I put on my Facebook page was uh, something about Damien coming on Super Bowls Sunday well I'm a great speller I count on spell check, you know. It's important. But if you spell a word right that's not the right word, and uh, a friend in England and Wales, um, he caught that first, I think. And he goes, and there was a comment about his bowels. And I said, well, I guess he does have super bowels, but it should have been bowl. And I, I did correct it. can't get too full of ourselves, can we? He'll be here next week. See, you be poor in spirit. Know who you are. Matthew 5, 4 says this, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning over sin means having a godly sorrow that produces repentance, leading to salvation. Without regret, the comfort is the comfort of forgiveness and salvation. A few years back, we uh, at a Young Life banquet did a cardboard testimony. You know what those, those things are all about? You put something on one side of the board, and then that's you before, and then you flip it over after. And what I realized on that night, and, and I had to come up with something, is that before I got right with Christ, before I, I, I had made that move, I used people. Man, I was a business person. I did all sorts of things. But, you know, you, you stepping up the corporate ladder, use whoever you can, whatever you can. You do whatever you can. And I use people. And, and, and then the flip side is after this, I learned to minister to people. You see, I mourned over the fact that I had used so many people. Started looking back, and you know, that's the natural thing that we do. We use other people to get what we want, and that seems to be kind of the natural nature. And when I figured out, I, I, I was, I'm not embarrassed about a lot of the stuff, or I don't mourn about a lot of the stuff I did. It was fun. It was sinful, but it was fun. What I mourn about is how I used and abused people. That 
bothers me. And I'm blessed because I try now not to use people. And folks, if you work with me, I'm sorry, sometimes it seems that way. Um, I'm trying to learn not to be a sergeant anymore. I was a sergeant in the Air Force, and um, I'm a get-it-done person. And um, sometimes that doesn't come out well. Let me tell you, I, I, I appreciate everyone. I really do. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is really, it's the opposite of being out of control. It's not weakness. The Bible describes Jesus as being meek, but he wasn't weak. It's not weakness. It's rather the supreme self-control that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. How many of y'all get, Woody and I were talking, and we both have similar backgrounds, and uh, we were talking about how we can lose our temper. And when we lose the temper, the beast comes out. And um, I don't know if anybody in this church has ever seen the beast come out of me. My children have seen that, and that's not a good thing. It means I don't have self-control. We need to be meek. We need to have control. These are the things that God values. Not only does he value, he empowers us to do these things. Isn't that kind of neat? Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It, it speaks of those who seek God's righteousness rather than attempt to establish a righteousness of their own. Self-righteousness like the Pharisees. Isn't that so easy for us to do? Well, look at him. He, doesn't, he just doesn't do things the right way like I do. No, I want to thirst after God's righteousness. My self-righteousness isn't worth much. There's always somebody who can behave better than me. And you can probably look around. There's always somebody who can behave better than you. We just like to look at the ones that don't behave as well as us, right? Yeah, let's see what they did. You know, your children? Yeah. It went down. Gretchen, Laurel's fault. Laurel is Zach's fault. They all push them back and forth. It's always somebody else's fault. I'm sure I know my grandkids are already doing it. The little two-year-old's already tattling on his big brother. And big brother is make, making sure that everything the little brother does is well-known. Granddaughter, well, she's an only child, so she's perfect. Shoot, she's four and a half months old. There's not too much she can do wrong. But she's learning. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. For he shall have judgment. James um, chapter 2 says this, James 2.13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. How merciful are you? That's not my natural tendency either. That's God's value. You know, he's merciful to us. So merciful. We don't get what we deserve. Isn't that nice? Man, that's mercy. That's mercy. 
We are to be merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hebrews 12, 14 kind of follows up in that. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Revelation 22, 3 says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and, and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. We will see Him. We will blessed are our pure hearts as we... By the way, when you receive Christ as your Savior, in God's eyes, your heart's pure. We just have to accept that and start working out of a pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Boy, do we need some peacemakers today. Listen to these verses. Matthew 5.44, same sermon. Jesus says this, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5, again, in verses 10 to 12 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial or the persecution that is to try you as though some strange thing happened. Believe it or not, that's normal. We're going to be persecuted if we love Christ and if we're following Christ and if we're making disciples of Christ. We're going to get persecuted. Peter goes on, but rejoice as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirits of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Okay, I struggle a little bit with that one. That's one of those hard things. I'm going to get persecuted and I'm going to be happy? I'm not sure about that. By the way, I haven't experienced a whole lot of persecution to be happy about, but I know there's other believers all around the world who are today, right now, and we need to keep them in mind. We need to pray for them. They have an incredible faith. They take incredible uh, chances, and they, and, and they risk to love and serve our Savior. You see, when we get God's value system, those Beatitudes, it will help us to become a servant. And as we're a servant, God can lift us up to greatness. Second thing, becoming a servant means putting the welfare of others before your own. Putting the welfare of others. And he sat down and he called the twelve, Mark 9, 35, and saith unto them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Last of all and servant of all. The disciples' concept of greatness and, and of great leadership is drawn from their culture. And it needed to be totally reversed. And by the way, that's the same, the same culture they had, we have. If we're going to be great, we've got to be the best, the smartest, the best looking, the 
we've got to have all of that stuff together. We're going to be great in, in God's economy. God's saying, no, 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 that's not how we work. We've got to flip this around. We've got to flip this around. It's completely reversed. Not those who lord their position over others are great in God's kingdom, but those who humbly serve each other. I want you to think about Jesus, creator of the universe, came to this earth as a child, born, we just celebrated Christmas, born and laid in a manger, probably a cave or a, a shed on the side of a, a house because there was no room for him in the inn in a little dinky, stinky town called Bethlehem. No real significance other than a bunch of shepherds and sheep in that area. In a little country, just kind of the crossroads of the world, but it's just a little and really insignificant country in this great big world. He came. He grew into a man. He started his ministry that God has that God the Father has directed him to. He's trying to teach 12 hard-headed, ignorant men. By the way, it's probably good that they were ignorant, and it's probably good that they're hard-headed because they're going to need that later. Because he didn't go to these really smart people who were already so filled with their, their knowledge and filled with themselves that they were unteachable. He went to people who were teachable to commit to them the things that he wanted taught so that they could commit to others who would commit to others. And that's why we're here. But this Savior of ours, this Jesus, his last night on earth, knelt down before his disciples to wash their feet. Now, I don't know that I want you to wash my feet. First of all, if I took my shoes off, it would probably knock you out. But I want to think a little bit about the time back then. They walked everywhere. They wore sandals. The streets weren't clean. There was stuff in those streets. And, and it was the servant's job to wash somebody's feet. In fact, in John 13, 1, let me just read this to you. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come and that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And suffer being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, <clears throat> knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. The creator of the universe came as a servant and gave us a model of servanthood. He went to the very lowest of things and washed his disciples' feet. Isn't that just so far away from anything we want to do? You see, there's this incredible example. That's putting others 
before himself. He put his disciples before himself. He put us as believers before himself. He put sinners before himself because he died on a cross paying for the sin of the world. He was buried and he rose again. But he put himself as more important, as our needs more important than his needs. By the way, his needs of being glorified are, are there because of his servant. See, God has a dream. God has a purpose for us as believers. He wants every person to know that Jesus, that Jesus died for their sins. He wants every person, he wants every people group, he wants every place to hear the message. And he wants to use us to do that. Why do we do the stuff we do around here? Well, because we want to get the message out. If you've never been here on a Friday, it's pretty incredible to watch all these cars come through. Miss Carol goes out there and prays with these people. Miss Isabel gets all the literature because every one of them gets literature with some sort of a gospel witness. And then we take care of some physical needs. That's a great thing. We're putting, you know, I'm sure you have better things to do on Friday, the ones that come out. They're putting the needs of those folks above ours. When we go and <laughs> to the football games, work concession stand. That can be hard work. This year wasn't so hard. We weren't cooking French fries and hamburgers, not dogs. But we were doing other stuff, and, and it's a long night. And thank goodness there were the, the team was good enough to get running clocks a lot because we got out of there earlier. But you know what we were doing there? We were showing those pe the, the parents that, you know what, your needs are greater than ours. You go up and watch your kids play ball. We'll take care of this for you. Gives us an opportunity to earn, one, their respect and earn the opportunity to share the better news, the greater news. See, everything we do should be served. Why are we going to, why are we going to, you guys are so good about bringing us stuff. And we'll get more and more stuff. And it's incredible. We got some great stuff we're going to sell. You're serving our young people so they can go and really learn how to serve. You see, we have to be servants. If we want to be great, we want to be we're going to be have to be servants. That's what we're called to do. Every person, every people, every place needs to know about Jesus, and to get there, we have to be His servants. Lastly, this morning, we're going to be great in the kingdom of God. We're going to be great servants. We adopt God's value system. We put the welfare of others before us, our own. And then we have to exercise the faith of a child. Verses, uh, chapter 9, verse 36, 37. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Whoever receives one of these little children in Christ's name, those who, who have humbled themselves like children, you see, if we're going to exercise that faith as a child, it comes with humility. Humility. 
I so miss doing Good News Club. Man. And, and I'm so proud of our Good News Club team. You, God used you in such powerful ways. We can't get in the school right now. Oh, by the way, you know, I'm a, Dennis will tell you, he, he gets scared when I start having visions and ideas. Because um, he knows that's going to be some more work for me. Um, no, he's, he's a blessing. Uh, because we've been really faithful going to Seminole Reservation, year after year, teaching those kids vacation Bible school, and uh, our kids get to have a, a learn to serve, and they have a great time. They work. Because we've been so faithful with that, um, the church there on the reservation, they have a 15-passenger minibus thing. It's, based, it's like a van, but it's shaped like a bus. Um, they want me, I'm, come, I'm going down there Wednesday night to preach for them, and they're going to hand me the keys to that van to give it to us. Yeah. That's a blessing, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm, I keep thinking, well, I've had a dream a long time about an after-school program. And um, since we're not able to go in the schools, maybe I can get them out. But one of the problems is transportation, right? We have a fifth old beat-up 15-passenger van, and I praise God for that. We can clean it up and use it, and we'll continue to use it because it runs good. But now I've got another van. And, I, you know, to take 10, 12 kids for an after-school program is not real, uh, it's hard to pull that off. But we can start, if I can take 25 kids and bring them here, we can do Good News Club here. Okay, ladies and, and all the Good News Club team, did you hear that? Okay, it'll probably be later in the year, but I'm looking at how we might be able to do Good News Club right back there in those buildings that we don't use enough of. I'll drive the bus, one of them. I'll get somebody else to drive the other. You see, we got to serve. we got to have faith. We, those little children... You realize, if you look in our booklet, you'll see the professions of faith this year way down from the year before. Um, because of our, our activity with uh, Young Life and, and Wildlife and JYC and CEF and all these programs in the, in the, um, uh, in the community, um, we did not have as many professions of faith. And in Good News Club, really the first semester of last year, there were 20 kids who trusted Christ as their Savior. In a year, in one school year, normally in Good News Club, there are 20 to 30 children who receive Christ as their Savior. And let me tell you, our people are trained extremely well. It's not just false professions. They go through this. And some of those kids come over and over and over until they really have a great understanding. They come in faith. And we're able to do that. We need to be back we need to be back ministering to children and, and, and we need to have that same faith that those children have and we serve God you know they don't know a whole lot they just do a lot our training over the weekend something that kind of hit me had a picture and there's an arrow that goes real high and that's our knowledge and then there's an arrow that's only about halfway up the knowledge arrow and that's how our obedience and then there's an arrow that's really short. That's our sharing. 
But you know if we're going to be good disciples that we need to have a balance of knowledge, obedience, and sharing. Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to take what God teaches us and we're going to be obedient and go to all the world. And we're going to go share it with somebody else. All those things that he teaches us, we're going to share with them. We're going to be obedient. So we're going to gain knowledge. We're going to be obedient. We're going to share. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we need to have faith to do that. Faith as a child. By the way, that faith as a child results in humility. Thayer's dictionary, the new of the uh, Greek dictionary, defines humility or the, the Greek word there as having a humble opinion of oneself, a dip, deep dip, a deep sense of one's moral littleness, modesty, humility, lowliness of mind. Webster says it's this. In ethics, freedom from pride and arrogance, humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of one's own worth. In theology, humility consists of lowliness of mind, a deep sense of one's own unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. Before honor is humility. I love how the old Webster quotes scripture. That's Proverbs 15, by the way. <clears throat> that same Noah, Noah Webster dictionary uses this. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, Acts 20. True humility is knowing who we are, accepting ourselves, being ourselves, being your best self, and giving of yourself for others. The world's philosophy is that, that you are great if others are working for you. But, 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 but the Christian message is that greatness comes from our serving others. That's why we see the words child and servant in the same, uh, are the same in the Aramaic language. You see, it's easy to see why Jesus connected the two. If we have the heart of a child, we will have little difficulty being servants. And, and if we have the attitude of servants, we will welcome the children as the representatives of Jesus Christ and the Father. That's quoted from Warren Wiersbe's. Let me tell you, if we want to be great, we have to be great servants. And, you know, Jesus showed us how to do it. And maybe we should have a foot washing service tonight. Who's up for it? <laughs> as long as I'm the one washing the feet, right? <laughs> By the way, that's practice in a lot of places. I actually did it at the youth department years ago. Folks, it's humility. Read. Read uh, Psalm 1 and read First Peter 5. You see an Old Testament principle, New Testament principle, as as you're a servant, that in your time God will lift you up. You want to be great? Be the greatest servant. Let me pray for you. Father, uh, 
we want to be a great church. Not, I'm not worried about great in the eyes of the community. We want to be a great church in your eyes. Help us as your people to be servants. Help us to have your value system, to see others as you see them. And Lord, help us to serve them and minister to them. Help us to be your disciples who will make more disciples for your glory. Help us to love. Help us to share. Lord, we will give this glory to you. Pray, Lord, if there's someone here that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that today they would be they wouldn't leave this place without doing so. As Woody said, he came to the point where he needed a Savior, where he recognized his need. He just called out, help me, I can't. It may be that simple. Lord, save me. Pray if there's someone here that's never done that, that they will today believe on you. And Lord, Some folks need to come and be part of this ministry. Lord, you know who you want here. Uh, and uh, we, we, we welcome. The more servants we have, the more things we can do. The better things we can do. The better we can do these things. Lord, we just ask you to draw the people that you would have here to be here. And Lord, for us who are here and we are serving, thank you for this incredible congregation who, who give beyond measure. They serve in ways that are just unbelievable. Help them to know that they're great in your eyes. And they're great in my eyes. And you're glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.